0: God, you you know that I don't know what songs are coming up the day I'm here, and yet you must giggle, you must laugh out loud when you help the speaker to put something together, something we know, we hope, we pray is from you, and then you throw in those songs, and it all comes together. Help us to learn from you today, in Jesus' name, amen. I moved a lot as a kid. People often asked if I was part of a military family, Uh, but the truth was my dad was just a plumber trying to figure out life for his family along the way. And I actually went to 10 schools before high school, count them, 10 schools before high school. And although I moved somewhere new almost every year, it never got easy. I never got used to moving from place to place. And I recall one particularly hard first day at a new school. It was in a little town called Lake Elsinore in Southern California, and I was in the fifth grade. And at our first recess, I went out and began to wander around this new elementary school campus I was at. But I I made, I made one small mistake, one little mistake that could have cost me dearly. I went down to what was called the Lower field. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but nobody in their right mind went that far away from the yard duty teacher's watchful eye. So I'm wandering around down there, minding my own business, of course. And all of a sudden, I am kicked hard in the, uh, the backside. And I whirl around to see a young man I later found out was called Robert and Robert had behind him a group. No, 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 let's be clear. He had a gang. He had a gang who had his back. And he said, let's fight. My mind started thinking as fast as my little body began shaking. I wanted to tell him I'm a peace-loving 10-year-old and I want no part of trouble. I stood there silent for etern- for what seemed like eternity as my Fight or flight adrenaline was kicking in. And to be truthful, I was definitely leaning towards the flight. But before I could say a word, I I heard a a voice behind me. Leave him alone, Robert. And I turned around to see a gang, a group of guys soon to become my best friends (laughs) who were at that moment just saving the new guy's life. The rest for me is a blur of screaming, yelling, swearing, but ultimately no punches were thrown that particular day. That night I'm laying in bed and I begin to cry. And my mom heard me, so she came in. I was so scared, so underprepared to fight anyone. So uncertain of the next day. I didn't want to sleep, I didn't want to get up, and I certainly did not want to go back to that school the next day. And my mom sat on the edge of my bed, she stroked my hair, as she often did, and she spoke words of comfort to me until I drifted off. Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever been afraid, scared of the uncertainty of what was to come? Of what was going on in your life? Perhaps it is a time when there's a career change going or maybe coming. Perhaps it's in some of your relationships that aren't going well. Your finances, maybe trying to figure out what retirement might even look like. Maybe some of the anxiety or the fear that you have is just based upon the crazy world that we live in today. Have you ever been so overwhelmed with those kinds of thoughts that you don't want to go to bed, you don't want to sleep, and you certainly don't want to get up and face the next day? Have you ever just needed someone to sit and encourage you and comfort you? If so, this message today from Daniel is for you. It is for you. As we begin in chapter 10, it has been 70 years since Daniel was taken into captivity. He's now an old man. He's in his late 80s. I shouldn't say an old man for those that are in their late 80s. He's he's a spry, young, um, late 80-year-old. But I thought, what a different perspective he must have on his world now since he was that confident young man refusing the king's food in chapter one. It's been a long time. And the vision that Daniel sees in this chapter, it says, concerns a time yet to come. A time yet to come. And he, it's in, 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 in the first part of chapter 10, it says, Daniel immediately understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future. Times of war, And great hardship. And this vision that he sees is very specific. In this vision, there are nations and kings, and they will rise and they will fall. But most of the vision, most of it is not good news. It speaks of people dying by fire and sword. Others are going to be put in jail and robbed, and many will be persecuted. War, hardship, persecution. Do those words sound familiar to you? Do they sound like words that could even be used today about our world? How concerned are you for this time yet to come? For those who heard me speak early in the summer, you know my my new love for the people of Honduras, but it is a nation that is exploding with violence over 1,000 young people, 1,000 teenagers have been killed in the last three years just in one city, the city of San Pedro Sula, and that's the city that my team flew into and flew out of. Honduras is a country out of control with drugs and crime and violence, and there is no hope in sight, and that saddens me greatly. <laughs> But I don't need to give you guys the details of our world. I can just name the places. And your mind can fill in the unfortunate, horrible details of what's going on there. For example, Israel, Syria, Iraq, Ukraine, North Korea, the United States, California. California, a state so big, so unmanageable that they want to divide us into six states. Grass Valley. And I don't even have to give you names, I can just give you words to ponder, words like trafficking terrorism, oppression, Ebola, and meth. These words, these towns, these phrases, these these countries, these things we hear, they can cause us to lose sleep at night. They can cause us to stay awake wondering what is going to happen. They cause us to feel hopeless, like the world is out of control. And we've been studying the book of Daniel. And honestly, I don't think Daniel's world was much different than ours. I think that Daniel would take those countries or those cities and he would replace them with his own. He would take the words I mentioned, he would replace them with the current concerns and troubles and struggles of his day. I don't think it was that much different. But he feels so inadequate to go on, so inadequate to be a man of God that he says this. He says, how can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. He's saying, how can I go on in this seemingly godless world? But then, but then, but then, in one verse, in one sentence, everything changes for Daniel. 10, 19, the first part of it. Don't be afraid don't be afraid for you are very precious to god peace be encouraged be strong this is an amazing one verse that changes things for daniel now it says that these words of encouragement were in a vision it was brought to daniel's vision by one who looked like a man it's all it says. One who looked like a man, and and so I read up all all the commentaries on what they have to say about that. And commentaries wonder whether this was an angel that was sent by God with this message. It could have been what's called a theophany, an actual appearance of God. They say perhaps it could even have been Jesus himself speaking to Daniel. And and some draw that conclusion because this description is very similar to how the apostle Paul describes his vision of Jesus in the book of Revelation when he says someone like the son of man wearing a long robe. I don't know. I don't know. But either way. Either way, I know this message was sent to Daniel for his encouragement and ultimately for ours as well. So, our theme for this whole Babylon series has been standing strong in tough times. So, let's see how this one sentence, this one verse, can help move us forward in our troubled world. And the first thing that Daniel was told is this do not fear. Do not fear. Now, this is the second time in this chapter alone that Daniel's told not to be afraid. You know why I think that is? Because Daniel was afraid. Because he was afraid. He was told at least twice right here. It says he was so overwhelmed with this vision, what he'd seen, what he'd heard, that he could hardly breathe. The word fear appears in the Bible about 500 times in the King James Version. And depending on the version that you read, there are somewhere between 100 to 300 times that it might read, do not be afraid, fear not, or do not fear. Some commentaries, and this has actually hit Facebook recently, for, right or for better or for worse, for right or wrong, it says that one commentary said there might even be 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for every day of the year. Well, why so many? Why so many times in the Bible does it have to remind us again and again to not be afraid? And I I think the point is so easy because we're all afraid. Daniel was. The people in the entire Bible time were. And guess what? We are too. We're scared. We're afraid. We're nervous. We're frightened about what is to come. So why can't we be told one time? Why, if somebody tells you one time, hey, don't be afraid, are you like, okay, done. I'm no longer afraid. I think we, like Daniel, grow weak. We get weak. We lose our courage. We lose our strength. And we have to be reminded over and over and over again that God is in control, that he is in control. And But as I was thinking about this, I was thinking that, This idea of fear or the word fearful, to me, it's all about context. It's all about context. For example, you would not tell a person who's depressed, hey, stop being so sad. You wouldn't go up to someone who has an eating addiction and say, you know, you shouldn't eat so much. It wouldn't do them any good. And when you are scared about something, whether it's your finances, your health, the state of our world, just being told, hey, suck it up. Or don't be such a chicken. Doesn't do any good either, does it? You see, context, it's all about the power behind who is telling us to not be afraid that makes the difference. It's the power behind the person who is using those words. And that's what the next part of this verse does. It adds the context to this idea of not being afraid. It says this, you do not have to be afraid because, number two, you are loved. You are loved. The verse actually says you are very precious to God. Precious is defined as of high cost or worth. It is valuable, highly esteemed, cherished, beloved. Other synonyms are prized, dear, treasured, and priceless. You are I'm going to show you a little clip here. Maybe you've seen it. It's been making its way around. And I may even be pushing my point just a little bit uh, by this. But, you know, it's really cute. So let's just watch it anyway. Yeah, you've seen it. She's precious, right? But it is her love For her brother That best describes Our word precious Here She is ascribing High worth To her brother He is so valuable To her He is treasured by her Now, a little, she doesn't know what she's in for In a few years when he gets older But for now He is prized and treasured. And I believe that that's the same way that God loves us. Leave out the leaving small, staying small forever, just the idea that God thinks we are so precious. When I was 10 and I was so afraid laying in my bed and my mom came in to talk to me. If she simply said, don't be afraid, that would not have done anything. I still had to get up. I still had to go to school, and I still had to face those same bullies. But I knew that my mom loved me. I knew that I was precious to her. I knew that she had more power than I did. Power to help change a situation or power to protect me. And that's when I knew that I could go on. I think it's the same way. When we realize how much God loves us, then we can face whatever's going to come our way each day without fear. We see in chapter 9, and Ron talked about this last week, that Daniel is praying, he's confessing sin, he's pleading with God for the safety of the people of Jerusalem. And it's then that the angel Gabriel comes to him and says this, "You are very precious to God." You' picking up on the, the duplication of these words, fear and now precious. You are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand." And then again, in chapter 10, in, in verse 11, it says, "Daniel, and this is a man in the vision that says, "Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully. To what I have to say to you, have, are you afraid? Do you believe that you are loved, that you are precious in God's sight? If so, are you taking the time to listen carefully? Are you sitting at the foot of Jesus? Are you praying and confessing sin and waiting on him to give you those words of comfort? Daniel did. And we need to do the same. You are loved. So do not fear. You are precious. You are loved in God's sight. The next one is be at peace. Be at peace. I believe God loves me. I've always known that. Uh, Maybe before I even gave my life to the Lord, but certainly since that time, I have always, always known God loves me. No matter how bad I am, no matter how far away I stray from God, I have always known that he loves me. But being at peace, that's a whole nother thing for me. That's a whole different thing for me. I'm fidgety, ADD perhaps. I can't sit still for long periods of time. I gotta have a podium with some room around it so I can move. A <laughs> Couple weeks ago, Kim called herself as having the personality of a hummingbird. I'm with her on that one. And often my heart is restless. The word for peace used here is the familiar word shalom. It was used at a time in both the greetings and the farewells. Shalom speaks of fulfillment, harmony, friendship, and restored relationships. It was meant to act as a blessing on the one to whom it was spoken. May your life be filled with health, with prosperity. And victory. In the New Testament, the primary Greek word for peace is Irene, Irene, and it refers to rest and tranquility. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace by the prophet Isaiah. Jesus came to forgive us of the things we've done wrong so we can have peace with God and restore our relationship, our broken relationship as a result of our sins. There are commands, God, Jesus, there are commands in the Old Testament and the New Testament to seek peace. In Romans 14, it says that we should make every effort to live at peace with everyone. As believers, we have an obligation, Colossians 3.15, to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. That means we have a choice either to trust God's promises, which would then let the peace rule, or to rely on ourselves and reject the peace that he offers. Peace is also a fruit of the Spirit. So if we are allowing the Spirit of God to rule in our lives, we should experience his peace. To be spiritually minded brings life and peace, according to Romans 8.6. We know that this world will continue to have wars. It will have conflicts until Jesus comes to establish true, lasting peace. But God will give his peace now to those who trust him. Daniel is living in a world that did not offer enough peace, much like our world today. He was so troubled, and he was struggling to move forward in his life. Now, I know this hasn't been a particularly uplifting or happy message yet. I I hope we'll get to the encouragement. But I have to say I was so, so saddened by the passing of Robin Williams a couple weeks ago. He, along with Tom Hanks, have always been my favorite actors. And Robin's movies have made me laugh and cry and certainly be encouraged, especially this one, Hook. Hook, check it out. The story of an older guy who gets to act like a little kid. The story of my life. I'm still seeking that out just about every day. Robin battled with drug and alcohol abuse. His addictions were linked to his depression he suffered for much of his life. In a 2010 interview, when he was working on a film, Insomnia, in Alaska in 2003, Now, I just need to say that if you're struggling with depression, working on a film named Insomnia in Alaska, is probably not going to be a healthy thing. (laughs) He said he felt, quote, alone and afraid. He said that led him to drinking as a way to cope and ended up hurting his relationships with his family. Quote, I was shameful, did stuff that caused disgust that's hard to recover from. We'll never know exactly what Robin was feeling, what he was thinking that night that he took his life But I do know that Robin Williams, like so many others, needed, needs, peace. I'm grateful for doctors. Doctors who can come alongside people in those times of anxiety and depression. And can offer medications that can help them to cope, can help them to move forward. I have seen the benefits of these things. But we also recognize that only God, only God is going to provide that true and everlasting peace. And and I just have to say this, if any of you are suffering with anxiety, with depression, seek help. Seek help from God and seek help from others so that you can get the best that anyone has to offer. And you're able to go along on your way. I remember as a young man finding Philippians uh, 4, 6, and 7, trying desperately to cling to this truth. Now, there was a a version that was done earlier. I'm going to do the NASB, which is more similar to what I I learned as a, a young man. But I wanted this verse so much. It says this, Do not worry about anything, but in everything, By prayer, by supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, and the peace of God, which surpasses, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beautiful. Can I be honest? Is it okay for a pastor to be honest? I'm not quite there, are you? I still worry. I still worry. I honestly don't know if it's my lack of faith, if it's my upbringing, or if it's just my personality. But this idea of finding peace is a struggle for me. What does experiencing God's peace look like to you? Have you been able to find that peaceful, tranquil place in life? Honestly, this is the place where I should jump off this stage and have you guys come up. You that have a better handle on this, you that have overcome, you that understand and have found that spot, you need to speak to us about that. I'm not there yet, but I do know this. I know this without a doubt. That God offers me this. He offers me this. And I need to continually trust him and to seek his peace. And I've been about that for many, many years. I'm on the journey. Maybe you're somewhere on that journey with me. Don't be afraid. You are loved. Be at peace. And finally, Daniel is told to move forward encouraged and with God's strength move forward encouraged and with God's strength. Daniel is describing himself or being described in this chapter as having no strength. It says his face was deathly pale. He was feeling very weak. He was barely able to breathe. He even fainted and lay with his face on the ground. But then, but then, When he heard this one verse that changed everything, when he realized what it was all about, it says this, I suddenly felt stronger. I suddenly felt stronger. Words of encouragement at the right moment strengthen us to go on, don't they? Can you recall a time when you were really down, when you were really low, you were going through something and someone encouraged you? They may not have had a clue that you were even in this dark spot. And there they were, speaking words of life into your tired, hurting soul. These people are absolute gifts from God at those moments when we need them the most. I love the word encouraged, it contains the word courage. So courage is the ability to do something you know is difficult or dangerous. So this word to encourage, to encourage, is to then raise the confidence in someone else to the point where they would dare to do something difficult. I spent one summer taking youth uh, backpacking and helping them do rock climbing up in the uh, Sierra Tahoe forest up here, Bowman Lake, Bowman Cliffs, just up Highway 20, not that far from here. Now, it was, it was <laughs> I look the same, don't I? <laughs> Identical. That was my first goatee. My wife didn't like that one. Maybe she likes this one better. I don't know. It was one thing to take these city kids traipsing through uh, trees, forests with no paths. This was all about map and compass, orienteering. And so we would just wander around and give them points, and they would go here and there. And that was one thing. It was quite another to convince these kids to turn around face, but they're back to nothing, and to repel off a 150-foot cliff. Now, for those that have repelled before, perhaps you remember your first time. Your first time, you're all hooked up. The harness has been pulled up and wenched way, cinched way, way too hard around your groin area. Those that have done this, you know what I'm talking about. And then at some point, the instructor says, okay, ready? Now, lean back and let the rope slide through your hands. Excuse me? I'm on the edge of the cliff, and you want me to lean back and let a rope slide through my hands? That's the absolute last thing I'm thinking of doing. And I can recall students standing not even near the edge of the cliff yet, making no movement towards that cliff a look of sheer terror on their face as all they know is there's nothing at their back. The rocks are about so far down you can barely see them and they go, I am not moving. I'm not moving. My job was to encourage them. It takes courage. It's a hard thing to do this, especially the first time. But my job was to somehow convince them that I could be trusted, that the equipment could be trusted and encourage them to lean back And let that rope slide through their hands as they rappel down a 150-foot cliff. Daniel has been in a lion's den recently, but now he's hanging from a cliff. Daniel's hanging from a cliff. He knew the future would not be easy for him or for those he cared for. And he needed all of his faith, all of his courage to get up the next day and to continue to live and speak for God. My mom encouraged me on the night that I was scared. She spoke words of comfort, and she strengthened me. She convinced me that night that I would be able to face the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that as well. these It was a conversation. Those were words that I have never, ever forgotten, and they have served me well from that exact moment I heard them. We're all going to face scary and difficult times. Times of unknown outcomes for the days ahead. While we are on this planet, we may struggle with finances, relationships, issues of sin, and just this crazy, frightening state of our world right now. I, I wish I could leave you with words of comfort about all that's going on or will go on in our world around us. Unfortunately, I can't. That's not my part. What I can tell you, what I can with certainty tell you is that we serve our powerful God who knows all and he is in charge. He knows the Babylons we face as individuals and he knows the Babylons we will face as believers living in this fallen world. And even in the midst of all that, of all the craziness, of all that's going on in our world, we still have this promise from scripture, John ten ten. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That is Satan's part. That's what he is doing today in our world, killing and destroying. But Jesus, I said, I came that they might have life and life abundantly. Have life and life abundantly. We can and we will have an abundant, fulfilling, and rich life if we cling to Jesus. Daniel has shown us that his character, his holy habits, his fierce love of God brought him through the most difficult and challenging of times in his day. We have learned how to stand strong through adversity, with integrity, showing confidence in our God. May what we have learned this summer carry us through the tough times ahead. As we believe what God had Daniel here in this vision, don't be afraid. For you are very precious to God. Peace. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. Let me pray for us. God, I I, I, you knew yesterday. You knew today, and you only and you only know tomorrow. We do not. We must leave this to you. It is frightening whether it's the global proportions of our fear and what is happening or whether it's the things within our own heart, within our own soul, our homes, our relationships, our finances, our our jobs, our careers. Lord, we can be so afraid of all these that we become paralyzed. Help us to seek people, you first and people second to come alongside. This journey is not one to be taken alone. In rock climbing, you don't rappel out down a cliff without a rope and a person on the other end. May you be the one that holds us when we're on a cliff. May you be the one that we lean into. May you be our strength and our comfort, and may we find our peace in you. Amen. One last thing. I couldn't leave this off. This is how it all ends. This is how it ends in the book of Daniel. This is how it ends for him. And this is how it all is going to end for us. It's the very last words, chapter 12, verse 13, and it's a benediction for all of us. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of days, you will rest rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you.